Welcome to episode 35 of Beers, Business, and Balls. This show is presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. And by Dugout Creative. For the best concept merch on the market, it's dugoutcreative.com. 15% off your order if you use the code BBBPOD. Everyone has that friend that loves baseball merch, and there's nothing better than supporting a small business this holiday season. Go buy your family, your friends, your significant others, a comfortable shirt with a concept logo. They're fresh. I love my Dugout Creative merch so far. Go to dugoutcreative.com and use promo code BBBPOD for 15% off anything in the store. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo, episode 35 of Beers, Business, and Balls. We're going to music this week. We've had a lot of beer guests so far, and now it's our fellow, uh, I guess you can't really call him an alum because there's no degrees he's very forward about, but Nick Chanfioni, who's the founder of Artist Republic. We've got him on today. Kid is two years younger than us, and he's really got his shit together. He's got a small business. Well, actually, not so small. Not too anyway. small at all, yeah. Not too small at all. But yeah, great interview with Nick. Pleasure talking to him, and we've got a full slate today, Will. Yeah, no, I mean, Nick is definitely, when you think of an entrepreneur, when you go to school, he is one of the first that comes to mind. Uh, always driven, always bouncing off ideas, always running a million miles per hour. But he has come up with a solution for artists to make them the most profitable as possible while also just running efficient. Uh, the operations behind Artist Republic is really interesting if you're, you know, very in tune to the music industry. So, if you love music and you love the whole Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun drama, I mean, this will definitely put a backstory to that in terms of you know why it's so important for artists to uh, you know make sure they're making the right deals and business endeavors with their music careers. So great interview with him. Uh, a lot of beer content coming this way too, because I mean, uh, not only are we talking music, we're always talking beers purpose of this show well we cover business with him but <laughs> i mean in terms of that we'll just start off with the cheers yeah, and uh we should have asked him some beer stuff too but anyway yeah before we dive into a cheers artist republic that's artist republic with a k.com if you are a content creator of any kind and you're pushing audio out to distribution channels go and sign up so let's cheers let's cheers to uh a little bit of colder weather i guess and i would appreciate if it warms up a little bit but we're gonna get two feet of snow um normally people would say stout season but i <laughs> i'm gonna review the opposite i'm gonna do an ipa like i've always done on this show but you go first cheers to you yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna stick with the stouts and porters it's december it's time for that i'll still drink a little bit of everything um, but in honor of our next beer that we're brewing, we're going to be brewing some chocolate stouts mm -hmm. in the very near future. So if you're interested in that, hit us up. But we made a trip to Treehouse, uh, waited about an hour in line for our beers, but I'll save those for a little bit. I will touch upon a beer that I just wrote a blog about, and that is the Peppermint, the Peppermint Porter, which is Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Aged by Lexington Brewing and Distillery Company, and that is a mouthful. But we went to Malted Barley today, a great spot in Providence, Rhode Island, if you're not familiar with. I know we touched upon them in the show multiple times. They had this beer. It was calling my name. I wanted porters. I wanted stouts. I'm trying to pump the numbers up from my thousandth beer into untapped, so I was willing to try anything. And this beer came out very, very dark, full of color. It was, you know... 
Wasn't sure what I was going to get with this. Took a sip and it literally tasted like a peppermint patty. You know, not only the peppermint flavor, as it says in the name, but chocolate, toffee, roasted, you know, that roasted bourbon flavor. It was a great, great beer. I gave it a four or five on the untapped scale. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Just found out that they distribute it in the area nearby. So going to pick that up for the holiday season. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. It wasn't too heavy. It was very like, if you're looking for that Christmas beer that just describes Christmas flavor and you're not a big beer person, this is the type of beer you want to go for because, uh, I mean, you can't hate peppermint. If you chew gum, you like mint. So peppermint (laughs) is just that elevated flavor. It's candy canes. It's full of chocolate. I I love it. I love it. I love it. Read the blog for uh, for further details, but... Peppermint Porter, Kentucky Barrel Aged by Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company. 10 out of 10 would recommend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got some big news for you. Will Tondo, co-host of the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast, is currently at 963 unique beers on Untapped. If you do that math out, that is 37 beers Unique, all of them unique, and as we're recording this, it's December 14th. By the time this airs, it'll be December 15th. So you've got 15 days for 37 beers. You've got to bang out like... It's like two and a half a day. So here's the thing. You have to take these like next couple of days and have like three unique beers per day. Yeah. And just get the three, or maybe even four if you're down for it. You've got to get the like as many beers during you know these next couple of weeks done as possible so that you're not like, oh my God, I had to have 20 beers in two days. Yeah. I mean, to put it in perspective, when I started checking in on, on Untapped, it was January of 2017. <laughs> so that was my 20, around my 21st birthday because I'm the end of January. So uh, that's, we're averaging around 330 beers a year. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Which is just amazing. I mean, that's not even like, so that's 333 beers a year that are unique. That's not even 333 beers drank in a year. Oh no, that's, it's a lot more than that. Like there's so many beers we have in our craft beer fridge, plus our own beer that we drink. I'd say multiply that by four. (laughs) <laughs> i hate to tell you but yeah. you have to think the factors here we were in college and that's not even adult money yet no i've only had adult money for a year <laughs> I, I guess you can call it adult money yeah i mean it's either no money in college and then a job money that's adult money that's like i think that goes back to the the whole thing of if you were to visualize how much alcohol you've drank in your life i think i'd immediately throw up because it'd probably be like and that's not even including like bar liquor oh i know cocktails being made shitty beer oh, seltzers no. you've got to stop this i mean that's... i don't like the direction you're going right now this is I, well we're this... going to flip it positive i need <laughs> i need 31 beers in 14 days the holidays are coming up. I'm hoping there's a lot of craft beer. If you have any craft beer that you know I haven't had, send them my way, hit my line, tell me where to get it, what places to go. I will go and try it. Uh, I still need to be a functioning human being for these well, next I was going to say, weeks. you're going to show up to work and be like, oh shit, I had like seven craft beers the night before. Yeah. 
So let's break Will Tondo, folks. Send us all the craft beer you can imagine. Please. I know. I, Chris, Chris Savage, you know, she's sending over some beers from Missouri. So that's going to be. Chris, keep them coming. Yeah, I mean, those keep are going to be. Coming. That's going to be a handful of beers I've never had before, which mm-hmm. I'll have to crush in one night, unfortunately. But <laughs> we're just going to. It's. I literally feel like I'm Charlie D'Amelio when being like, "Oh, I really wanted like a hundred million followers on TikTok in a year." It's like, yeah, I want. I want a thousand beers. I want a thousand beers by the end of this year. I think that's you know. It's not out of the question. No, it's It's not. not Like, it's just the fact that it's like, okay, I gotta mentally prepare for it as well as like, okay, I just spent a hundred bucks at Treehouse, which is not a big toll, a big haul in Treehouse perspective. Yeah. Um, But do I want to crush through that? I mean, I might have to, so I so I can go back. Um, well, I agree. And that's the, the thing is we bitch constantly about, oh, we need to drink more of this craft beer in the fridge because, you know, we need an excuse to go to Treehouse, And then we get Treehouse beer. And then you literally sat in front of our craft beer fridge for probably a half hour trying to reorganize shit because we have too much of it now. Yeah. It's a ferocious cycle. I mean, our top shelf is now all porter stouts and seasonal beers. <laughs> our bottom shelf is mostly IPAs, and the door are the smaller cans, which are usually lagers. You might as well give people our address so when they break in, they know exactly where I, to find it. Right, ne- <laughs> right next to the door, there's a fridge that has a bunch of craft beer stickers on it. Take whatever you would like. Uh, I Honestly... Uh, just not the treehouse shit. Not the treehouse. <laughs> anything be, else, that's fine. Be a respectable burglar. Yeah, you can take anything you want. You could have our heady topper because we'll go. We'll just go get it. You could have, have our so loss and stuff. Topper, yeah, yeah. We have too much heady, and that's honestly should be a crime too. Saying that we have too much heady topper, but it is what it is. You know, it's it's elite. But we've gotten our hands on it a ton. So take our please walk in if you can find our address. Just go and take it for all we care. And that was talking beer. There we go. Uh, I just turned my notifications on for you on Untap too. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably be with you when you drink like 90% of these beers. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I'm going to go the IPA route. I am going to take a Treehouse beer. Man, I don't give out fives a lot. No one gives out fives a lot. But when I sipped Juice Project with Citra and Mosaic on Saturday night with you, I took a few sips of it, and we, you know, we do a thing where we pour half the beer into one person's glass and half the beer into the other. You know, taste them. It's not a lot of commitment, which is nice, and more often than not, it's craft. So I poured this beer into my glass, take a couple of sips of it, and I look at you and I said, "Don't make me do something stupid right now." And you go, "What?" I just, we, we just look at each other for five seconds or so, not saying a word, and you just go, you're going to give that a five. <laughs> I gave that shit a five. Juice Project with Citra and Mosaic. Um, my review, I'm going to pull it up right now. I said, nothing short of incredible work from Treehouse. Fruit beyond belief. And that's true. Citra and Mosaic, some of the most beautiful hops, but Treehouse hops the shit out of them. They like triple or quadruple up the amount of hops. Um, the most substantial dry hop of any treehouse beer to date, they say. The overall hop volume is actually reduced in comparison to beers of similar stature. The result is a staggeringly juicy, with minimal bitterness, and potent notes of ripe summer peach, dank blueberries, and tropical fruit salad. It's electrifying. (laughs) That comes from the treehouse untapped description, and they fucking nailed it. 
This tastes like Kool-Aid with beer. I'm going to go on record and say it tastes like if you put Kool-Aid with beer together. I think I've had one IPA better than this in my entire life, and it's also from Treehouse. It's very green. And that's it. That's my review. I gave that a five out of fucking five, and I think it was well-deserved. Exactly. I mean, like, for him to give that a five, like, <laughs> for both of us, I mean, we don't we don't toss those around. It's like, no. you know, it's very similar to Portnoy and the pizza scale. Like, he is a realist. He, he you know, if it's if something's over a seven in his pizza, you know, it's something it's good. That, it's yeah, good. like and it's over us, a four. And for us, it's over a four, you know. I hand out a lot, a lot of beers, uh, under under fours and everyone's like oh i enjoy that and i'm like i'm not saying i don't enjoy it it just takes a, a lot beer. for me to it's get under a four you know i'm looking at my thing right now 963 beers <laughs> i've given four beers of five i've given 15 beers of four seven five and i've give given 65 beers of four five 120 beers of four two five and everything else and then of course around 150 beers of four, everything else is in under three. So yeah. like I have, both of us have very high expectations. And Treehouse, I mean, if Treehouse isn't producing something over a four two five, There's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with it. It's true. It, it's not that, well, let me rephrase. It's not that there's something, something wrong, wrong with it. Something wrong with it. It just Because they there. will occasionally lager beers and they'll do American pale ales and that, while they're good, it's not in their wheelhouse. No. They Treehouse makes IPAs and they make stouts. That's what they do. They don't make any... Well, I mean, they do make other shit. It's just not their bread and butter. It's not. That's not how they got famous. That's not what people wait in lines for three hours for. And they compared wait in to, line for IPAs. You know, compared to other APAs and lagers and, and fruit beers, you know, it's probably still very good. Yeah, it's on par. You better? know, it's on par. Maybe better, but it's I'm not, not waiting like, three hours for a treehouse lager. No way. No, I'm not no. waiting three hours to go pick up two cases of Eureka. No. You know, Eureka's good. And Eureka's the, the yellow can that it's, you know, it's a Pilsner or a lager or something, you know, four and a half, five percent. I want my ass something I can bite at Treehouse. I want to be chewing on whatever I, you know, drink from there. Mm-hmm. So I love, uh, you know, what we had from Treehouse. I think we, we had a couple of stouts too. Those will be coming in the next couple of weeks. All the double shot series from Treehouse too. I mean, go get yourself some double shot anything. I mean, they have Oreo, they have espresso, they have a couple more. We're not going to spoil it too much because there's a new Treehouse double shot that we will review at some point, and it's a stout, and we had it this weekend. So overall, I thought you know, great weekend for beer hauling, and we've got a lot of stuff coming for you. We'll talk business real quick too. Last week. We sat down and we talked about Airbnb. One of the most high-profile IPOs that we have really seen at the ripe age of 23 each in our lifetime. Airbnb goes on the market. You know, the big buzz is, oh, they're going from 44 to 50. Now they're going from 56 to 60, blah, blah, blah. They closed well above that over the past couple of days. They were listed on Robinhood on Friday, they're playing in the, the mid-hundreds now. It's not even close. Their stock price more than doubled when they IPO'd. And here we are. Airbnb is now well into the hundreds now. As it's too it, high. I mean, as expected, it was going to rise. 
that high. Um, I agree. It's definitely way, way, way too volatile, way, way, way too high. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's Airbnb has been talks and rumors of, oh, Airbnb is going to go public, you know, tomorrow and tomorrow's three years later. Um, yeah. It was definitely a very highly anticipated stock. And I think it doesn't help that we are in the most modernized, anticipated time period for investing. And what I mean by that is like, I feel like all of a sudden since quarantine, everyone and their mother's investing. Well, you know, it's yeah. If it's, you're on social media and you're in the bit, if you're in, in terms of business and you know, you're, you're looking at business articles and you're looking for business content, everyone's like, what are you doing with your spare time? You're not investing. You're being useless right now. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not saving for your future. You know, why are you going to put it in a 401k when you can invest? And everyone's like, okay, instead of doing any research. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that because like it is important to invest for your future and also learn about what's going on in our business world. But everyone is just throwing any disposable income to investing and they think of names. They're not going to do their research on small stocks, you know, the, some of the stocks that we talk about that you might not know or even hear about unless you are doing your research. They're going to go for the ones that it's like, what do I use in my everyday year-to-year methods? You know, I use my Amazons and my Apples and my Microsofts and, and when I travel, anything in the S&P. Yeah, when I travel, I use my Delta and I use my Airbnb and all that stuff and my car companies and my 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 phones, my banks, they only do the big name stuff. So when DoorDash and Airbnb came public, every investor bro's like, I'm hammering <laughs> all my money into that. And that's what happened. It shot up to what what you said. So yeah, I'll, I'll give the breakdown here. We had the you know the sixty-eight bucks it officially IPO'd at, I Correct. guess, right? Okay. <laughs> you saw what I just saw here, right? So it goes to sixty bucks and then all of a sudden it lists on Robinhood for 148. Yeah. And not only that, these motherfuckers bought it. Everyone bought it. Which again, you know what? I'm gonna go on a limb here. I don't think that's a terribly dumb move. No, because I don't. I and still I agree think, with you. I still think, you know, if you got it at $68 and it's IPO, congratulations, because in a year, two years, five years, a decade, you're gonna be like I bought Airbnb at X, Y, and Z. And everyone's well, it's yeah, like, it's going to be the same with Amazon, yeah, Tesla. Everyone's going to be like, yes. holy shit, good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Buying it at $148 too, although it's declining right now because you know everything fizzled out. Everyone at, at the moment is going to be like, oh, you bought too high, you bought too high. Yes, because it was at $68. But $148, I still think in the future, will be one of those Oh shit! You bought it at 148. Good for you. Yeah, because when Airbnb is at 5,000 bucks, you'll be like, "Oh shit! I bought four shares of that. Great! It you know multiplied by more than 50." Exactly. <laughs> so, in the short term, and that's a, another thing. It's like investing right now. Everyone is expecting the short term results because they're like, "Oh, if you invest, you'll make money." Okay. Well, are you in the in it for the short term or the long term? Because if you're in the short term. If you bought it at 68 and dropped it at 140, you pumped and dumped whatever you got and good for you. Cool. But if you're in the long term, like you're going to see the highs and lows. And right now, it's going to drop a little bit when travel comes back fully with COVID and people are willing to, you know, they have their jobs back, they have disposable income, travel safe, the vaccines there, all as well in the world pre-COVID. Yeah, Airbnb is going to be one of those great stocks. 
I think the aversion to Airbnb right now, too, and we didn't talk about this last week, but the Q4 earnings, when they get on the calls in January and February and have to report to their, this will be their first time that they have to report to the investors, they're going to be dismal. They're going to be very bad because can you name me, I hate to say this, can you name me one person that got an Airbnb in Q4 besides us? Because <laughs> that was the one Airbnb that I've gotten this year. It was in Q4. Weekend trip to Vermont. Now, just thought of this. On the flip side, are people doing more of that when, than we know? I guess the only way to find out is these earnings calls. And if they report anything positive, then this stock's going to rally, I think. And this stock's going to go way the fuck back up where it started at after the 68, back up to 150 almost. And now we're chilling at, you know, the 120 mark. I'd assume it'll probably lose value throughout the week, 110, 100, maybe even dip more, depending on what news we get. But that's one of those things where it's going to be very volatile to start. Could be a big success story, though. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, if you're just thinking from a consumer, people by the end of the summer were sick and tired of government restrictions and COVID and the negativity that they just wanted to get the fuck out, even if it was for a day or a weekend. You're not going to go to a hotel, even though hotels are providing you with probably a very cheaper deal rather than an Airbnb. Oh my God, they're slashing them. They've because no they're, they're, yeah. they're asking for it, but people still have that stigma because everyone's still thinking of pre-COVID. It's like, oh, I'm in a hotel. There's multiple people. There's people touching your stuff. You got to wear a mask going in and out. Like, I don't I don't want that. I'm just going to do an Airbnb. Or on the other side of it, it's like, oh, I haven't seen my so-and-so buddies from college, which we which we did. Mm-hmm. We Let's all get a COVID test. We're all negative. Let's rent a house in Vermont for the weekend. Two nights, three days, 100 bucks a person. Let's have ourselves a time. We'll cook our own food. We don't have to expose ourselves. Perfect. I think you'll see a lot more of that, which will definitely drive up its revenue calls. And then if the vaccine gets out there quicker too, maybe that maybe that plays into it. Maybe, and there's, I, I was shocked with, or not shocked, but really fascinated with the two sides of the argument for Airbnb this summer. Number one, the first side of it was, Oh, you know, it's not a hotel. Like you just said, it's, I, I, you know, I know who's touching my stuff. I, you know, I don't have to worry about any of that. The total flip side of that, which also has merit to it, believe it or not, is who the fuck's home is that? Whose house am I going into? What cleaning measures did they take? Did, do they have kids? Do they have people that are going out to bars and restaurants and gyms and everything that's so declared as a COVID super spreading event? You have to worry about that too. Yeah, but I mean, for the most part, like Airbnb has its standards. Oh, sure. I'm not getting into the pro- argument yeah, no, of in, what's better, in cleaning right? Protocols. Um, I'm just thinking of the trend pre-COVID. Like Airbnb was one of those hot factors where it's like you have a group of friends or a group of family or whatever it was, right, and it's right. like I want to go to New York City for a week, and I'll even put an example. Last summer, my good friend Jack, it was his birthday. And a group of about 10 of us were just one night, two days, going to New York City for his birthday. And we were going to get hotels. Hotels were way too expensive. We found an Airbnb of someone's apartment that they just have this apartment and rent it out for Airbnb. It was like 
probably with 10 people, it was like 270 bucks a night. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, you couldn't realistically was 10 people. Yeah, it was, <laughs> was 10 people a lot for that room. Absolutely. I mean, you're sleeping on a floor probably. But or... like it was couch and a pullout and like a couple futons in the floor and shit and air mattresses. But like, okay, if you're just going to say as a couple, right, two people, you go into that room at $270, probably a little bit cheaper than a hotel. Um, and then after fees, you're paying 400, <laughs> you know, but like 270 bucks, you split that. If you really want to two right. ways in a couple, that's what 135, so 140, 140 change. bucks, yeah, right? Yep. You're right next to um, um, Times Square. Mm-hmm. You're right near the train station. Um, you can enjoy the nightlife. You can get a bite to eat. You can go out all night and then you come back and that's still cheaper than a hotel. I agree. And I think Airbnb, like you said, there's going to be more of that when we return to normal because normal's coming back. It is. With this vaccine, there were people in Rhode Island that took the vaccine today. They took it. It's in their bodies now. So that means, you know, God forbid any complications go wrong. They're going to be clear that having this virus in four weeks, they will not get COVID-19. Let's hope. (laughs) Let's if hope. it functions oh as the gosh. government says it will, and as the companies that development or that developed it says it will, people will not get COVID nineteen, and that's that's big. So the bottom line is, if that happens and it goes off as planned, then Airbnb is gonna go. It, it's gonna be one of those success stories that you mentioned that source and guys like Gary Vee go. I bought Airbnb at one hundred and twenty eight dollars. We're all right now like, oh, that's way too high. This might be a buy. It might be a buy. Again, do not take uh, financial advice from us, but it might be a buy. I mean, see, it's one of those things where it's like right now with the two of us talking and the money in our pocket, you know, we're looking at $130. If you're like, ah, you know, not to say it's out of reach because it's not. It's just one of those things where it's like, that's on the higher end. Well, no, of but stocks. if you buy a couple of shares, we're talking five hundred bucks. You know, you're talking and that's not bucks, yeah. pocket change. And that's for not po- that's not pocket change. Not pocket and change you know, for me. Shit. <laughs> we're sitting there, and it's like, you know, uh, right now, today, December fourteenth, December fifteenth. It's a little expensive. We're gonna look back on this episode, episode thirty-five, and be like. Hey, I fucking told you so. <laughs> that was so. the day. And that was the day. I mean, we said that about Zoom. We look. We sat at Zoom. Oh. Like, we sat at Zoom. We're like, ah, oh, 150 bucks. We bring bucks. that up too much. You know, that was Fuck. like, that's like, ah, oh, that's a little high right now. And then it was, it shot up to like 500. I know. So, I know. but that that you're right. You made a good point that I hadn't thought about. It was a little too high to the naked eye right now. But this is this is. Gonna be one of the episodes we look back at and say that's what Airbnb was at. Yeah, and, and he- hell, maybe Airbnb goes fucking bankrupt next yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> and just closing on closing thoughts on that. It's like if you're investing, it's like what are you investing in? Are you investing for the long term or the short ter- short term profit? Yeah, Airbnb is not a short term stock. Let's be very absolutely clear. not. Unless you were part of that that IPO and pump and dump and get your you know a hundred and good, you it? double yeah. your money, you double your money, awesome. and you call it a day. Great, but in the long term, it's like one of those things where it's like you don't want to be one of those people where you'd rather lose money than sell and make a short profit and yeah. be like, 
I sold Airbnb at $200 and, you know, my 30 shares of that. And then like all of a sudden, like 10 years later, it's like, oh, Airbnb is $5,000 a share. That's fucking great. Yeah, like, I mean, people... Like you, I, you always see those stories. It's like, I sold my Bitcoin at... And I don't understand cryptocurrency <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, we're but, not talking crypto. You know, it's like, I sold my Bitcoin when I bought it at 87 cents. I sold it at $15 per Bitcoin. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, now Bitcoin is worth $20,000. <laughs> like, so you made that. your great profit, but holy shit, look at how it soared. I agree. And the bottom line is like, it's just, you got to invest in what you believe in, I think. Yeah. And it, for me, right now, I, I'm not fully sold on like, yeah, I'm going to throw my life savings at Airbnb. But, you know, I, I think if you've got that money lying around and you're like, oh shit, what should I invest in? Is that a Zen? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let it be known, Will Tondo's popping his in right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> Getting those rewards, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, you, it just if you... Airbnb's got to be one of those that you believe in. If you don't believe in them, fine. Don't invest in them. Go invest in fucking Hilton or Marriott. I don't even know if they're public, but... But that's that. I think that this could be a very, very nice long-term play. And with that, we'll go into sports. That was a great, that was a great business segment, too. Yeah. Sports. Um, Fucking sports. Huh? Balls. <laughs> Giants and the Pats both lose. I'm going to give you your soapbox for maybe 60 seconds or so. So to recap, the Giants lose, um, you know, and what was not a question about it after the second quarter. Arizona Cardinals beat the Giants. Uh, Giants still in the playoff hunt, of course. The Washington football team has a one-game lead on them after went over the 49ers. Then we'll talk about the Patriots, who also got ran out of fucking Los Angeles after uh, a dismal showing. What the hell happened with the Giants this week? They were totally outmatched in every single way, shape, and form of the game. But I don't know what happened. The Arizona Cardinals wanted it more. I do not think the Giants are a bad football team. I'm a realist. I wasn't one that... You know, after our free agency, after our draft, I'm saying, oh, the Giants are making the playoffs. The Giants are making the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to be a half-ass 500 team at best. We go on a little, you know, we go one and seven. Already looking at the top three picks. Is Daniel Jones the problem? Yada, yada, yada. We go on a four-game <laughs> win streak. We last, and it was a good streak, It was a too. good streak. It was a good streak. We... Last week, defeat the Seahawks, which is is not a... The Seahawks are not the Seahawks of the old, but they are still the Seattle Seahawks. But they a, might as well be. You think about the Seahawks of the old, they were never great. They had a, a good... You they, know, well, they had a much better defense. They had a much better defense, now. but Russell Wilson... They had the same offense. Russell That's a good Wilson team. and DK Metcalf are greater than a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy <laughs> and Darius Slayton. Okay? Yes, I'm going to be yeah. straight up. I'm not going to nope. overshy that. What was the problem with the Giants? The defense played well. You know, the stat, li the stat line does not show it because of, you know, the score. But the defense held their own. The, the, the Cardinals, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a top three, if not number one receiver in the league. Probably and one. he didn't even have that great of a day. The Giants' defense held their own. The offense, on the other end... Wasn't even Daniel Jones' fault. You know, Daniel Jones had a clean game. He was like 11 for 21, 11 for 19, whatever the number was, like 100 plus yards, no interceptions, no touchdowns. 
He got sacked six times. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Yep. Four of them. I'm sorry. No, no, no. He got sacked. Yeah, he got sacked six, six times. times. Yeah. It was seven total by the team because Colt McCoy was in for a that's drive. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, five of them were from Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick had five sacks and two fumble recoveries. He looked like the defensive player of the year. Who the hell is Hassan Reddick? <laughs> okay. No disrespect to him. I'm just saying he is no Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack. He's Hassan Reddick. The offensive line was abysmal, and it showed because the Arizona Cardinals defense does not hold well against the run game, and our rush game has averaged seven straight weeks of over 100 yards with Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris. We did not get anything going with the run. It was Do you want another just, horrible stat, by the way? Let's hear it. Let's just pile <laughs> it on. It's courtesy of PFF. Hassan Reddick had three of the nine fastest sacks in the NFL this week. So the top nine fastest sacks, you know, time from the ball snap to the time that he's sacking him, he had three of the top nine. Yeah. And, that, and like, that makes no sense to me because it's like the Arizona Cardinal defense was like, Middle of the pack. They were nothing great. They were nothing bad. No, they were, they, they were their just... Their secondary is their biggest strength, if you know, anything. They were just an average, average defense. And the Giants played very well thus far. Our O-line the past couple weeks like held their own. I mean, the rookies in Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, and Matt Pert just were doing well. And Zeitler has always been a consistent veteran. And Hernandez had his COVID... Uh, outbreak, but then came back and was a good swing man. Like the Giants were doing fine. Like the rush game wasn't the problem. This game, not to say it was going to be a walk in the park, but it should have been much closer. But the offense just stalled and fell asleep at the wheel. Mm. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, <sighs> they lost. They deserve to lose. The Cardinals deserve to win. They're still in the hunt in the NFC West with the Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. Not the 49ers anymore because, you know what, I will take my hat off and congratulate the Washington football team, the team with no name. <laughs> they are a good football team. But they not are, their, they and it's are. not even their offense. You know, their only bright spot on offense is Terry McClaw, um, McLaughlin? McLaurin. McLaurin. Yeah. Terry McLaurin. I, I think, well, there's some, I, I'm going to challenge that because he's a bright spot for sure. He's by far the best player on that team. But... I think that they have, like, actually some decent pieces in, like, Gibson and McKissick. I think they're going to be good. They're going to be they're good. They're not bad. The, they're not bad. I'm not saying they're bad at all. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, their offense isn't the one winning them games. It's their defense. And their That's front true. seven, I mean, they have guys on their team that have been on my draft board every single <laughs> year. Montez Sweat. Chase Young. We know Chase Young's on your draft board. Um, he was on there from episode, I mean, and, like early episodes. He was and, on there. and Washington football team, you are welcome for the Giants beating you in week 16 last year to give you that. <laughs> or week 17. Whatever it was. I just remember I was in fucking Little Italy having a nice <laughs> dinner with my family during Christmas where the Giants and Daniel Jones oh, decided man. because Daniel Jones, for some reason, doesn't lose against you. Mm-hmm. Not to say, and I, I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. Dude, it's if him. he could go to the, like, there, he is a stud against Washington. It's incredible. Is he still undefeated against Washington? Undefeated. And that was the day How he decides that. Four? Four. Five? Four. 
That was the day he decided to throw five touchdowns against you. That's true. And you guys, we won. You guys lost, and we gave you the second pick, and we got the fourth. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Ron Rivera? <laughs> like... Everybody, fucking Dave Gettleman, and fucking everybody. They decided to win. They gave you the second pick. We took the fourth. You got Chase Young. We got Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas will be a good left tackle in the future. Chase Young will be a generational, probably a Hall of Famer in my mind. He is going to be a stud. Landon Collins is also on that team. Either way, the Washington football team, the team without a name, they deserve it all. They beat the 49ers. I don't know what the future holds. I mean, the Giants are not out of it. It did not help that Jalen Hurts on the Eagles decided to be good and beat the Saints. That's true. Which we'll get into. We'll get, my, it, yeah, we'll we'll get, get into, into contenders and yep. pretenders. Yep. And the Cowboys beat the Bengals, not, not surprisingly. Everyone in the NFC East... One, the Giants lost. Now everyone is in the mix. I don't know what happens. We have the Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys coming up. Not sure what the, the score of the Ravens-Browns game is right now, but they have the Browns next week in a prime time on Sunday. Mm-hmm. No hopes, no expectations. They could win. They could lose. Whatever the Browns feel like doing right, today. As we're recording this, the Browns are probably going to lose this game. It's 34-20 Baltimore. Lovely, because I have the Browns money line. That's fucking at plus one hundred. <laughs> um, but either way, they have the Browns next week. They have the Ravens. They have the Cowboys. They will need a miracle to make it to the playoffs. If not, it was one of those weird years. You know, we have a future in the off season. I think we need to focus on O line. I think we need to focus on Perennial. a number a number one receiver. Uh, whether it's at a free agent in Allen Robinson, Galladay, Smith, uh, Smith Schuster, or a draft pick, mm. I think we also could help our cornerbacks too. We either sign somebody, draft somebody, whatever it might be. Uh, I know there were some injuries as well. They're not so far out. They had a very tough schedule and they lost close games. This was a young team or a very young team. Uh, new coaching system too. Joe Judge, I love him. Patrick Graham, I hope he doesn't leave in the offseason for a, a head coaching job. Um, I think they can convince him to stay. I like the direction of the Giants. People give him a lot of hate, but they are looking fine right now. There was no expectations this year, so for, right, them, that's to, the point. for them to be in the playoff conversation... Hats off to them. Yeah, relatively speaking, they're not looking fine, but the fact that they're performing at this point, that they even have a shot, is noteworthy for sure. I don't really want to talk about the Patriots because they fucking suck, so I just want to skip that. (laughs) But we'll talk about them. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. There's nothing we learned from this team. I think everything that the Patriots did against the Rams was expected. The Rams have a good defense and they defend the run really well. And if you defend the run against the Patriots, you win. It's that simple. You, you cut off Cam Newton and you win. So that's what happened. I think this game just showed that Cam Newton is just not it. No shit. He's not it. (laughs) No, but I'm not even saying Cam Newton, but like the run game is just not it with Josh McDaniel's offense. Well, that's another conversation for another day. That's maybe off-season talk, but I think... They can't run an an RPO. The run game is like... I mean, it's not like you have a phenomenal running back, but Sony Michelle and James White and 
I don't even know who else. Rex, Damian Harris Damian is the Harris. number one, and he's the by far the most redeeming quality about this offense. He is, I think, the best draft pick they've had in the past couple of years. Better than Nikhil Harry, for sure. Nikhil Fuck Nikhil Harry. I really want to be a Nikhil Harry fan because I I don't know what it is about Arizona State guys, but like they, they're always so good in every sport. I just love the chip they have on their shoulders. But fuck Nikhil Harry. I think it's <laughs> tough for Patriots fans to look at Nikhil Harry. Even like production aside, it's like the expectation with him is like the, the Patriots don't draft in the first round. They don't. And he's a tall, wide receiver. What you know, do you want? They don't <laughs> draft in the first round. And correct me if I'm wrong, he was a first round draft He was. Pick. End of the first round. So it's like... For them to not trade away that pick for multiple draft capital to get these sleepers per se, um, in you know in Bill Belichick's world, yeah. Nikhil Harry had high expectations. Well, it's like what they did this year with uh, Kyle Duggar. Yeah, you know he's because Duggar's gonna be good, but I mean, yeah, Nikhil Harry is just been such a bust, and I you know what I give him one more year. I, I'm going to, out of the graciousness of my heart, Nikhil Harry, you've been extended one more year because I want to see what you can do with hopefully a quarterback that has his shit together. And I love Cam. I do. He's been just fine. Better than what I expected, to be totally honest with you. I really did. I thought he was going to lay a fat egg and he's come a little close, but I don't know. He's not the answer. No one's advocating for that for sure, but he uh, they need to look elsewhere. They yeah. really do because Stidham's not the answer. We've seen Stidham go, and he's thrown some good passes. Don't get me wrong. He is not a starting quarterback. He is not the future of the New England Patriots. But then again, though, it's like not like you gave him any chance, the Patriots. I mean, it, the only edit to that is, like, we can't let him start a game. No. I mean, you're at the point where you're not in the playoffs. Might as well try it. We've seen his skills in the third and fourth quarters this year. But that's when the team's already defeated. I guess. You know, it's like, if you really want to see if he could be the next Garoppolo or Brissett or Ryan Mallett, and not to say Ryan Mallett was any good. (laughs) Hall of Famer Ryan Mallett. No, but... Matt Castle. What the Patriots did in the past was they had opportunities where these quarterbacks started in some capacity. They weren't necessarily the New England way, but they generated enough buzz where like, oh shit, did Jared Sidham just throw five touchdowns against the Dolphins who have the number one takeaway defense in the league? I will trade for him a second round pick. But keep in mind, this was also in a different system. This was, these guys were, you know, they were getting trained under Tom Brady. And they were, you know, if Tom Brady was hurt or whatever, or just didn't want to play, he was still in their ear telling them exactly what to do. And he was marshalling that offense. And but any, is that Tom Brady's offense or Josh McDaniel well, and that's Belichick's the thing. offense? It sounds like it was, sounds like it was Tom Brady's offense. <laughs> I just don't think the Patriots have an identity right now. They don't. They don't. And it's going to take time. So we're in for dark times for this team and i want to leave it at that i want to talk contenders and pretenders then we'll go into nick chanfioni of artist republic uh contender for me the indianapolis colts showed out this week i thought that you know they did play the raiders and while i love the raiders they they've been bad these past few weeks we've talked about that even still colts went out there and scored 44 points you gotta think that offense is legit. The defense kind of held their own too against an, a, a Raiders offense that actually is pretty good. You know they've got weapons, so I love the Colts there. Um, and then 
my pretender, god damn it, I've the, these guys were off the trust tree for me week one. The Minnesota goddamn Vikings. They are, yeah, you yawned at the Minnesota Vikings. It's damn right. They're fucking yawn-worthy. When Dalvin Cook's not on, he ain't on. The Bucks shut him down. 26-14, I think the final score was. It was all Bucks, and the Vikings are just not ready to compete in the offseason. The fucked up part is they still have a chance to get in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, which is just absolutely bizarre to me. Um, and that goes to a question that we could have in another episode. It's like, does Mike Zimmer, is his time up? Um, but bottom line is that's Dalvin Cook's team. That is Dalvin effing Cook's team, and there's no other way to slice the cookie. So those are my contenders and pretenders. That's it. <laughs> I have really got nothing else. No more analysis. Like they, one team was great. The other sucked. That's yeah. it. My contender is the Miami dolphins. Mm. I think the Miami dolphins, hopefully they make the playoffs. I think they still have a high chance. They have you know? a shot. Um, they could squeeze into one of those three AFC wildcard teams. Are a team that is very, very solid. Their defense, hats off to them. They are the number one takeaway defense. They are resilient. They put the pressure on. They will run teams for their money, and it showed with the Chiefs. Although they lost less than seven points, they picked off Mahomes was it two or three times? I think it was three times. Three interceptions from probably the best quarterback we've seen in the past decade in terms of just style of play athletic, and sure. athleticism and electricity. Like that is just inc- and that offense, the Chiefs' offense, is not slowed down whatsoever. Um, and they held their own very, very well. Yeah, you want uh, some crazy stats, Mahomes? So he had a nightmare game too 30 yard sack four turnovers picked off three times and that was his first multi-pick game in more than two years but again still threw for 400 yards yeah it's crazy they are definitely a raw team that has you know it's a new team um you have obviously his new quarter quarterback in Tua they can fill a lot of holes, whether it's the draft, because they have some draft capital in the future and, you know, plenty of cap for free agency. If they make the playoffs, I think they'll be one of those teams that could surprise someone in the first round. Um, And if they catch a hot streak, they can keep riding. Yep. My pretender is the Saints. Wow. A week after the contender for you. Interesting. The Saints need Drew Brees. You cannot let... The Philadelphia Eagles, who have been abysmal. They're 4-8-1. They just have a rookie quarterback in week 14. Week, what week are we in? Week 15? <laughs> We're 14. 14. <laughs> week 14. Come in, and the Saints have a very good defense. Drop 100-plus yards passing and 100-plus yards rushing on you. And then have Taysom Hill, who you know you claim to be the heir to the throne oh, to Drew Brees. Awful. You p- provide a shit performance. He fumbled a few times, yeah. too. The Saints need to figure it out because this game should have been a shoe-in win and secure the number one seed. They just gave the number one seed to the Packers, and 
in terms of this year's playoffs, that number one seed is so, so mm-hmm. important. You get that bye. So you get the bye, you get the home field, you get the rest, especially with all this COVID times. You needed that win so badly, and you blew it. If Drew Brees is now rushed back because this Taysom Hill project is over, and again, they should have just gave Winston a chance, but that is a long, long broken record of a conversation. (laughs) If you're going to rush Drew Brees back in, you better be performing the next couple weeks because trouble in paradise right now. Like The Saints could be one of those teams where it's Saints-Packers, Saints-Seahawks, Saints, Packers, Seahawks, Bucks, whatever the combination might be, they are at the top of the neck right there. They need the they need to figure that shit out to win. But right now, they're pretending. The way they played against the Eagles, you were a first round knockout of the playoffs. And do you want to know who had the the Saints next week? Who? The Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> you think Taysom Hill? is going to carve up the Kansas City It's currently Chiefs. minus four Kansas City. I would be willing to take Kansas City up to probably minus 24. Yeah, game. it's just not, it's 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 not good. It's not good. And it's that's tough to see Drew Brees injured like that. I mean, 12 broken ribs, a punctured lung. Oh, it's horrible. Um, but they're they're pretending right now until until he gets back and hopefully he's back safely not rush yeah breeze said and they they were very clear that he's not gonna rush back he's gonna when he's 100 percent. but again it's football who knows so that's football weird week a uh, few upsets and we move on we've got three weeks left and then the playoffs kind of crazy how that flew let's go to our interview now with nick chanfioni who's the founder of artist republic this is a great interview a fellow Bryant attendee, we want to say alumni, but we can't do it. Nick's very open with the fact uh, about he drop, him dropping out of school to chase his dream to recreate the music industry from the ground up, pretty much. So, without further ado, here is Nick Chanfioni. All right, everybody, with us this week, we have our good friend Nick Chanfioni, the founder of Artist Republic a fellow Bryant University Bulldog, a Rhode Islander through and through, coming to you live in Providence, Rhode Island. Nick, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, for those of you who don't know Nick, he is probably a one of the most hardworking people we know. Ever since we met him at Bryant University through, you know, Bryant CEO, he is always flinging through ideas, has been so entrepreneur, entrepreneurial through his work ethic, his just his his thought process, everything, and he has this new brand, Artist Republic, and we're gonna get dive into that and through his entire story. But I mean, it, not many people who do know Nick. We're gonna answer that first and foremost question. Nick, tell us who is Nick Chanfioni? <laughs> <laughs> I already fucked up the name. Chanfioni. Chanfioni. Take two. Uh, okay. Who, who am I? Uh, I am a 22 year old music loving entrepreneur who has a pretty dope company. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess that's kind of like the easiest way to say it. Um, I mean, I guess a little bit about, you know, myself, my company, um, went to Bryant, technically dropped out, Got a great hoodie that says, and then I dropped out. Hell yeah. Uh, this is this has been my my hoodie of choice uh, throughout the investment round we're currently funding. 
um, I always think it's a you know great story when I'm talking to investors and they're like, you know, how how in this are you? And I'm like, well, let me tell you a great story. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, own artist public, which is basically we change the future of music. Um, in in the lamest of terms, that's what we do. That's incredible. We're gonna dive way into Artist Republic. By the time this interview's over, hopefully all of our listeners will know what Artist Republic is. Hopefully some of them will sign up. It's wonderful. But you were an entrepreneur long before this. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your background. What businesses have you, you know, maybe started or tried to get off the ground and failed miserably um, or, you know, succeeded in? Um, Who were you before all this? And what is... You know, kind of tell us your journey to getting there. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, as long as I can remember, I was an entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, I was always addicted to making money as, you know, young as I can remember. Um, I feel like every kid like does like that lemonade stand and then like kind of drops it after that. Where like, I was trying to build like probably like lemonade stand empires at probably like six years old. Um, and I remember like the, the first memory I have of entrepreneurship was in fifth grade, I literally ran a freaking duct tape wallet empire. Like I had distributors, I was selling duct tape wallets to different schools. I was making like 300 bucks a week off of duct tape wallets. Oh my God. Like it was nuts for like two weeks. And then everyone had duct tape wallets and I ran out of customer base. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I did all that. I was always, you know, addicted to the money, but also like the, the learning process of hard work. Um, I always say, you know, my, my first job as a kid was my uncle was a commercial fisherman. So like every Friday and Saturday from like fifth grade to like freshman year, I was just shoving, you know, shoving it out at fish markets. And uh, I always tell people, you know, you'll never have motivation to never work a minimum wage job again in your life until like you're in like eighth grade and the girl you have a crush on like comes like pick up fish with her parents. And you just like <laughs> smell like fish and you're just trying to like, hit on her but like not at the same time uh it sucks um but you know that, <laughs> that was you know my background in, in that kind of stuff um but you know really it's all started um in my freshman year in high school I started hosting concerts um and that went all the way through pretty much the end of my high school career because I tried to host concerts up in Providence quickly learned that the music industry up here is way different and no matter how much my last name is Italian, it really didn't hold any weight anymore. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was, yeah, I was not, I was not breaking through this industry. And so at that point it was, you know, when Instagram was the wild west. And so I was running Instagram marketing for a bunch of different music artists, specifically Instagram growth. And that was probably the most fun company I ever ran um, because it was grimy sales all the time. Like it was wake up, DM like 300 artists, schedule 10 to 20 calls a day. And literally I only took classes like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I was just taking sales calls every day, every half an hour, actually every 20 minutes. It would take me 15 minutes to sell someone, five minutes to reset, 15 minutes again to sell the next person. I was just going all day in my dorm room. And in like eight months, I racked up like 500 clients um, wow. and it was just nuts. Um, but I knew it wasn't gonna last forever. And so, cause I knew Instagram was going to crack down on that stuff and sure or not they did. And so I was always pivoting, like what, what was going to be next. Um, and that was really, you know, where artist Republic was coming out. So before artist Republic too, you know, that that's, you put it 
very interestingly, the Instagram grind was very much a grind, right? It was like grimy kind of oh, stuff, yeah. right? So there must have been places where you had a big win and you had a big loss. Anything come to mind? Yeah, big loss. Uh, I had an apparel company in high school. Uh, me and one of my buddies started. We sold these anchor bracelets. And, uh, oh, it was sick. And um, <laughs> we were we were shipping these bracelets in from China for like 36 cents a bracelet. We were selling them for like 26 bucks a pop. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll never forget it. It was like May or something. My soft, maybe junior years, May, yeah, May of my junior year. And we get a cease and desist from uh, Keel James Patrick. And um, oh my god! And we we looked at each other. We're like, nah, they can't do that. They don't own an anchor. And uh, so we just ignored it. <laughs> and um, about six months later, we got another cease and desist. And we're like, nah, they can't do that. Oh and uh, we just kept screwing with them. And like we like talked to a couple of people, and they're like, nah, you can't own a you can't own an anchor. Like that's like it's in public domain. Um, so we kept doing it. And then May of the next year, my roommate, my uh, best friend, Ryan in the company text me, he goes, yo, check your email. Go, okay. I check it. And there's a full on $2 million lawsuit in our email. We're like, Holy shit. Wow. Oh shit. We fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, me and my buddy email him back. We're like, all right, we'll discontinue it. We're done. And they were like, all right, you won't be listed in schedule A. Like, Thank you. So we just had like a 24 hour blowout sale the next day. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> it was, and it was gone. And like, I'll never forget it. Like me and my buddy, when we graduated, we posted a picture and we we're like, we got sued for 2 million in high school. What'd you do? Um, but it was like, we always joked about it, but like, it was, I look back and I'm like, wow, it was really stupid. Um, but I'm like, wow, it was really fun. Like it was fun getting sued at 18. <laughs> I mean, Hey, you were clearly doing something where KJP took notice. And it was like threatening. Oh, so funny. So, and hey, yeah. that's a, that's a good that's a good college icebreaker. Oh yeah, you know what are your fun? <laughs> what are two truths and a lie? It's like yeah, I uh, I have two siblings. I traveled to Italy and I was sued for two million dollars by KJP. <laughs> I don't have two siblings. You're right. Like when I was back home, like some people knew what KJP was, but I went to school up here. People were like everyone knew who it was, so it was even funnier going to school at Bryant oh and God, getting yeah. sued by KJP. Well, he's a Rhode Island guy. It's yeah. like any, that's a threat to the Rhode Island business, which is so funny, but man, that's crazy. So you have yeah. all of these ideas, thoughts, business endeavors, and now along comes Artist Republic, you know, lay it out for our simplers, uh, lay it out simply for our listeners. You know, yeah. what is the backbone and the concept of Artist Republic? And uh, what is the problem you are trying to solve? Yeah. So basically, um, I, I thought of this the other day, actually, in literally in the middle of an investor meeting, I was like, oh, I figured out the best way to explain this. Um, in, the, in the classic music industry, if you go and sign your life away at Sony Records, you would get what is called a 360 deal, which basically they would say, okay, we will manage your merchandising, your touring, your booking, your PR, your marketing, your music distribution and everything. And you never have to do anything ever besides create. Now, with everyone actually wanting to be independent nowadays, because people realize how dumb that is, um, where actually 39.9% of the music market is independent artists. And the reality of the music tech space is that they don't do that. 
they have an individual website for each individual company in each individual niche. So like, I'm going to go to this website to distribute my music and this website to market it and this website to purchase another niche marketing service. And before you know it, you've 18 different subscriptions at 18 different websites. Now, if you put that in real life terms, that would mean you would walk to Sony to distribute and then to CAA to manage yourself and then to Capitol Records to manage your merchandising. It's so inefficient. Um, and so really what Artist Public does is it takes that 360 deal and puts it on the internet. Um, and so now for the first time ever, you have a 360 deal that actually enables music artists to manage themselves, but in a 360 style on one website um, with every resource they need in one location. And so now artists never have to actually leave our website to purchase really anything. Um, you know, they can purchase a beat, they can get it professionally mixed and mastered, they can go and distribute it, and then they can go and market it, and then they can go and book a tour. Um, and they can all do it from one website. Yeah, that's clearly revolutionary. And I think for you personally, you're clearly very passionate about this. You know the market inside and out, obviously, because otherwise you wouldn't have the investor backing. You wouldn't have the user base that you do, right? So why is it the music industry for you? What in your life, you know, did you go through that said, you know, I, I want to go into music or did you just kind of stumble into it? I think I, I think there's many things. Um, one, uh, tried to be a rapper in eighth grade, uh, didn't work too well. Uh, uh, you know, about 2 million. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, that didn't work too well. And I'm very glad that I, uh, deleted that YouTube account forever. Um, so yeah, so that's definitely gone. So there's probably that that feeds into it. Um, fun fact that I think, I don't know how many people know this about me, but I went to theater school actually for my first two years of high school. Um, and so I was always involved in, you know, theater arts and music and, and stuff like that. And going off of it, I think it's also just the, when I got involved in the music industry, when I got addicted to it was because of concerts. And when you host a concert, it is the most, like, it's surreal. Like running a concert business is literally like living the Wolf of Wall Street 24 seven. Like it is so surreal. And like, not saying that I condone this. And I will openly say that because it is so bad. But like you would walk into a green room and it would be like two hours before the show. And there's the headliner for the concert. There are, you know, at that time was when EDM was huge and, you know, hype girls were huge. There was just girls everywhere. There's a hot tub in the freaking green room. There's people doing Coke. There's people smoking. There's money everywhere. And there's just, it's just so stupid and so just like not realistic that like anybody that gets into that is just like, this is so cool. Um, and so like being able to just live that life um, and more importantly, also like do it as a job. Um, because the other crazy thing about it, why I got so addicted to the concerts, it's because you make so much money so quickly, like in, in the scheme of things, like I may, you may make, $3,000 a month hosting a concert, which isn't a lot in the long scheme, but that's like one night. <laughs> so like you're sitting there at the end of the night with like three grand in cash and you're just like, boom, like put it in the bank. And I guarantee you most of it's all fives and ones. Um, so you literally have a stack of cash. And when you wake up the next morning after like a 3 a.m. McDonald's run on your way back from a concert and you just look over and you just see a stack of cash, you're just like, all right, what am I doing the next one? Um, it's just like so addictive because it's just not real. 
Like it's, it's genuinely not real. Um, and that's why I think I got so addicted to the music industry is because of that side of things, like the fantasy, like it is very fantasy. Um, it's also extremely high paced. It is extremely competitive. Um, and it really is do or die in the sense of like, especially the music industry, which I, I also think is why I'm addicted to it. Unlike any other industry, the music industry will literally chew you up and spit you back out before you even knew what happened. Um, and that's what's so crazy about it. And that's why I think like, I love it. Cause like, it just keeps me on edge 24 um, seven. And just keeps that little thing flowing in your head. Like when, when am I going to have to go to war? So do you think that that what you just described is what makes this industry tick? Is that the backbone of this industry? Or do you think we should see that evolve over the next, you know, 20, 40, 50 years? Oh, I think, I think it's a lot of it. I think all these people are addicted to that. Like it's so, it is such a fantasy in the music industry world. Like I don't really see it right now on the music tech side because on the music tech side, you're dealing with developers all the time. You're not really dealing with that other side of things, but the other side of things, like literally is a fantasy. Like this guy that, um, one of the, one of the guys I'm working with, um, on the investment side, like he's also a manager during the day and he manages some of the top tier people on billboard. And it's like, you know, he hangs out with these people and it's just like crazy to like, it's just, it's just not real. Like that, that's why I think it attracts so many people. It's cause it's just not real. So you had this, you clearly have the passion for music. You've had the background, you had the experience with the concerts. What was your aha moment to be like, okay, I identify this problem in the industry and I want to fix it with Artist Republic. So really when I identified the problem was, like I said, I mean, being able to hang out with these guys was what led me to that problem because I was always the person that was hanging out in the green rooms with them and hanging out in the studios with them and, you know, stuff like that. So I was able to actually understand them on a personal level. And when I got to that level is when I was able to see like, wow, these guys have it hard. And that's then where the other side of things were like that image fades of fantasy. And it's like, this industry will chew you up and spit you out overnight. Um, and that's what was, I saw getting happen, you know, happening to so many guys. And I think the best example I can say to this, because it really comes down to the middleman and more specifically a lot of just really bad managers. Um, a perfect example of this is we were, we were reaching out to artists for our new system we're launching next week. And one of the managers emailed us back and was like, we're not interested, never, no, I'm not interested, never email us again. Wow. And I was like, sitting there for a second, I was like, you're a manager. You get probably maybe 20% of the deal, which means you would have gotten like $1,000 up front and then you probably would have gotten about six grand a month. Now your artist gets 80%. So that artist probably never even saw that deal. So that artist just lost so much money because he hired a bad manager. And that's what I started to see was it really stemmed down to just bad representation, but also the requirement of representation made resources unobtainable. And so I was like, if you just removed the human, things would be a lot easier. Um, you know, just like it, it's really a supply chain management problem. I mean, I'm the, I'm the not to get too educational, but yeah, like that's really what it is. It's what Amazon. After all, you, know, you don't have a degree, so. 
<laughs> so you you identify that problem in a you know a ballpark estimate you know with all the artists that we we're seeing especially you know with tiktok coming out and soundcloud and you have all these people just pumping out music and creating yeah. content what percentage of artists do you think you know have this communication issue with their managers that they're going to miss out on deals like this you know, having a shitty manager that's just trying to micromanage everything and like, you know, take it into their own stratosphere. But like you identified that problem, like how many artists do you really feel, you know, are missing out on these credible opportunities? Probably 98%. Wow. Yeah. It's like, the reason I say that is because just like everyone's an entrepreneur in the music industry, everyone's a manager. Like you'll have all these guys that are just like professional photographers and then they just become buddy buddies with an artist and then think that because they can manage their photography career, they can manage an artist's career. And you'll have the same things. Like you'll have other artists manage other artists. You know, just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else. Um, the role of a manager really needs to be as an advisor, not as a you know person that tells you what to do. Um, and that's kind of the misconception. And so that's why I really say, I, yeah, I'd say probably 99%, um, 98, 99% because everyone thinks they're a manager. Um, and it's just like, no, you're, you're really not like, you know, if you, not everyone can be an artist, not everyone can be a manager. Right. And that almost instantly. So we're, we're going to fast forward here. You have two mm -hmm. weeks into having a product pretty much. And all of a sudden you have a waiting list of 11,000 users to get on Artist Republic. For you, <laughs> is that a validation of your product at that time? Is that like, all right, this is it. This, this works. You know, people want to do this. Or, you know, were you genuinely surprised to see that growth? I wouldn't say I was surprised. Um, but I also would say it was validation. Um, but I also wouldn't say it was validation. Because users are great but if they don't do anything then they don't do anything um i also know that in my eight years of experience of running facebook and google ads i really know how to get people to tick and do something um so i think 30 percent of that probably 50 percent of that was based on me and my content directors really good strategy of marketing the living hell out of this thing and it's orb of like greatness before it even launched um now when we launched it was a shit show so i don't think i think we definitely lost some of the people um you know we really didn't get our acts together probably until may um you know we were we were scraping the bucket probably until may and then may it started to turn around um and that's when things started to really flip and then we started to see that trajectory um but no besides that yeah, I, I, we really haven't proven validation, I would say, until August when we started to really prove it. Wow. So, like, that's pretty on par. You know, you, you, you knew this was coming, but it's, like, more on the validation standpoint. And I think an aspect that helped create more validation was South by Southwest. And, you yes. know, you got that call right before the pandemic, realistically, is when you were going to be a – uh, you know, a participant of the South by Southwest. Yeah, South by Southwest, South by Southwest that was supposed to be March this year, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we were like, I literally 
So we had complications beforehand. So then we were actually changing around literally tickets of who was coming. And Ryan Bonagora was actually supposed to go with me. Oh, geez. And uh, <laughs> I know, which I talked to him the other day for like so long, which I also talked to him. He's for having a kid. He's a father now. He's about to be a father. I know. I know. <laughs> um, you know, I had a hell of a week last week catching up with you. I talked to him and I talked to Lou. Uh, oh, for like wow. a good Kelly. That's a Brian name. Yep. I know. And, uh, but no, so like we were like changing around tickets and everything. Like I was booking his flight. Um, he was supposed to come down with me and, uh, literally like three days later, they were like, South by Southwest canceled. And I was like, uh, and I was like, all right. I was like, you know what? We wouldn't have been ready for it. I was like, it's fine. Either way though, you know, that being canceled with the pandemic, no one knew how escalated this pandemic was going to be. How much of an honor was that for you though? You know, hearing that, that title alongside of Artist Republic, you had to have been like, wow, like we are, we are on the right path. It's quite literally where brands have launched. You know, it's like where some of the most famous brands have launched. Yeah, it was, it was definitely great. It was nice to see. Um, and it's funny too, because like, I think I've gotten to that point, like even like not in like the uncockiest way, like it's kind of gotten to the point for me where like, it's just business, which like kind of sounds bad, but like good at the same time. Like I'm just so focused on this stuff that like a lot of that stuff doesn't like starstruck me anymore. It's more just like, great cool. We got it. Move on to the next. And it was interesting. Like my buddy texted me cause you know, he was the, this was the first time he was involved in a Forbes interview. And he texted me this morning. He's like, you ready for the Forbes interview today? I was like, just another day. I was like, we roll, I roll into, I literally have a half an hour meeting beforehand. I wrap that up with an investor. I go into the Forbes meeting. I then have six more meetings after that. And then I grab my coffee, play some Fortnite, reset myself and back again the next day. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is all those little wins like when you look at them on a micro scale, it's like, oh my God, yes. When you look at them on a macro scale, it's like these bunch of little wins that just continuously add up. Um, and so I think a lot of times people can get caught up in that and be like, oh my God, I've, I've succeeded. But like, you gotta, you gotta keep moving that forward. You can't just stop that success. And like, that's something like I do a lot now where like, I kind of just like take it, I internalize it for like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, play a, play a hype song. And I'm like, all right, back to work. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of that, um, you know, little, those little wins of like validation that like, oh, hell yeah. Like I, I guarantee you, I saw so many people that actually responded to me after I got a Forbes article, no one responded to me. I got a Forbes article and I got a Google knowledge page and I got a crunch base page. And then people are like, oh, sure. I'll take your call now. (laughs) Like you mentioned, you mentioned small wins employed by, you know, the best management practitioners, the best football coaches, all that good stuff. That being said, you also just mentioned Fortnite too. So how many dubs do you have? Today I've had zero. Wow. Um, I wish you hadn't said that. Well, so, all right, hear me out. Hear me out. I mean, he's right. I, I don't know. He can't be a, a streamer right now on Twitch. Like, Fair enough. Killing, killing Fortnite. He's got a either artist Republic or he's going to Fortnite. It's one or the other, right? Yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Um, and Fortnite definitely does not look like a good route um, for me. So, but hear me out, hear me out. I got a, I got a proposal for you guys. So I was thinking of starting a petition for against Fortnite. I think Ooh. you need to have a different lobby for those who have jobs. For those who <laughs> not. It is really unfair that I have to work all day to pay the freaking bills. And there's 12 year olds that can spend all day gaming. Obviously they're going to beat me. 
And they're not doing like, shit. They have virtual school right now. Yeah, too. yeah. it's BS. Like, I want to go against <laughs> you guys because then it's like, okay, fair. Like, we each had, we each had like some things going on today. Like, all right, you beat me today, but like, I'll beat you tomorrow because like, I don't got anything to do tomorrow. Like, twelve year olds ain't got anything to do any day. Um, so <laughs> I mean, no, I, I'm I a little upset. I agree with that because like Fortnite was one of those things where it's like, unless you were grinding on that till four, five, six a.m. and you were just trying to play, it was two different levels it was like it was yeah, fun in the yeah. beginning and then it's like okay i play an hour a day i have my shits and giggles and i go on with my day then there's people that are like no i'm watching twitch streamers and youtube and studying the fucking controls yeah. and everything <laughs> it's like i yeah. will never beat you i was never good at call of duty i'm not gonna beat you now on this either it's like i just want <laughs> i just want to cop a dub once in a while but yeah the same thing like i me and my me and my buddies well so i just two things so one now that it turned into like more like GTA, I just I just fuck around now. So like <laughs> if I see someone, I'll literally like my first goal is like get a bunch of guns, get a car, fill it up with gas, and then just drive it at anything I see. You are describing GTA to us right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I love it. The more people I can literally kill by just running over with a car in Fortnite, <laughs> literally the happier it gets. So much fun. Um, because everyone takes it so seriously. And I'm just whipping around in my taxi, just murking people. Um, the other thing we figured out, me and, my, me and my buddy found a hack, which is I have, I have a Switch too. So it's like we made a new account on Switch. And then we just played trios and put this dummy account as the party leader. So it started us out on level one. and so we just had bots and so literally for an entire night straight we just screwed around and won every single game we'd rack up like 45 kills a match and just win every single game then that person started leveling up and now we can't do it anymore so right we're we're counting our lucky stars that no one's going to clip this up and take that out of context there it is (laughs) and that that was talking first party streamers yep uh, first party shooters (laughs) But heading back into your business endeavors, you know, one of the reasons why we had you on the show is because of our connection at Bryant University. And, you know, Bryant teaches a lot of people different things and everyone has- Fortnite's uh, one of them too. Fortnite is one of them, but <laughs> everyone has a variety of different paths when going to Bryant University. You dropped yeah. out to pursue, pursue um, Artist Republic even further. What did you learn from Bryant though? And uh, how did it help you with your entrepreneurial endeavors? Yes. So first thing I can say, one thing I learned, I actually learned this one dropping out. Dropping out sounds cool until you do it. Yep. Then you realize that college is literally the best four years of your life and you're missing out on the last of it. Um, I'm lucky. I'm kind of like happy that I dropped out during COVID because it really didn't miss as much. But like anyone out there that's like, oh, I want to drop, I want to drop. Don't. Unless you really have to. Like I was literally put against it. Like my investors were like, you're, you're out, you're done. Um, they were like, we're not putting money in you. You're putting 30 hours a week into school. Um, but I genuinely look back. I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back. Like nothing beats like Saturday darties waking up at 11 AM and just chugging champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, because after college, it's just like, all right, you're an alcoholic, <laughs> like, <laughs> but in college is perfectly acceptable. Um, but on the other side of things, like what I learned, I think the biggest thing that I got out of Bryant is connections. Um, you know, I always say that I think college is really for connections. Um, and also like Elon Musk said, you know, it's kind of just for like proving that you can do your chores. 
Um, I don't think I ever proved that I can do my chores, but, uh, you know, it really is for the connections you get out of school. I don't, I know hundred percent, I would not be, you know, where I am today without the connections I got at Bryant. Um, you know, even to the littlest things, like when I went to Ryan and I was like, dude, there's a problem in the music industry it was when he was starting Votive and he was like, software it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not a software guy. And he's like, just do it. And I'm just like, get, okay. get a software <laughs> guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. Cause that's what me and him were talking about the other day. Like that literally him telling me that I wouldn't have gotten where I was today. And like even crazier story. There's literally a girl that I met at orientation and became friends with. And she was like, Oh my God, you're in concerts. Like my best friend hosts concerts. And that's how I met this guy, Ross, who was the first one. I was like, yo, can you do my Instagram marketing? And I was like, yeah. And then I realized how much Instagram marketing was worth. And it's funny because like, if I never met her on orientation, I would never met him. And I would never realize how much money was in Instagram marketing, which means I never would have hung out with these guys, which means I never would have thought of Artist Republic, which means I wouldn't be here where, yeah. And it's like crazy when I look back and I'm like, damn, it really was all my connections at Bryant that got me to where I was today. It's very true. I think that's applicable for so many people, which we could probably have an hour conversation on, but couple of quick questions for you. Rapid fire, because we're running out of time here, and then we'll let you go. Artist Republic, next year, next five years, what's the, uh, what's the, the 10 second plan for each of them? Next year, we want to break 500,000 users on the network. We want to completely really get to the point of people being like, oh, shit, this, 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 is, this, is, a, this is a company. Um, five years that's what I call, we start uh, getting to what I call my Amazon phase, mm-hmm. um, where we start really just getting into fun stuff. <clears throat> um, there's really only three people that even know what artist public looks like in three years. Um, and you know, one of them obviously being me. So, you know, that's, that's where we really get fun. 10 years, not global domination, but like global domination. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, I want it to really be at a level of a firm, like of a management firm. Like I want it to be at the same level as Sony records. Um, I wanted to be held up there where it's like, yo, you want to go the traditional route, you go to Sony, you want to go the independent route, use artist public. Um, and like, I genuinely want it to be at that level. I don't, I have no plans of selling it. I have no plans of bouncing. Like it's literally like, we're going to build an empire. I love that. And I think if there's anyone that can do that, it's you for sure. Um, real quick, Hobson's on your board of directors. You have any yes. fun Hobson stories for us? No, it's okay. He's, He's such a cool dude. I love that guy. Um, I don't know if I have any cool stories, but like, he's just such a nice, genuine dude. Um, I know I, I, he sounds like it. He's just such a nice guy. Um, like, I mean, I obviously haven't met him in person yet, but like, I'll never forget it. Like we hopped on a Zoom meeting and this, this is where I'll leave it. But like, we literally hopped on a Zoom the first time. I was like, dude, not to fangirl you, but like, it's kind of cool. Like I used to like, smoke to your music in high school like now i'm hanging out like now you're investing in my company he's like yo that's what's up and uh but yeah so that that that'll be my closing that'll be my closing fact of the day but yeah just awesome dude love that and do you hope to keep this in providence rhode island yes love that the 401 the 401 nick we appreciate you coming on thank you for sharing your story thank you for having fun with us and uh, where can our listeners find you and obviously follow along with Artist Republic and the floor is yours on any information you want to provide. Nick Chafioni on LinkedIn and Chalker Beach Boy on Instagram. Um, and that one, that's an easy one to remember. <laughs> Nick Chanfioni, ladies and gentlemen, go sign up for Artist Republic today. Thank you, Nick.
Boom. And that was just Nick Chanfioni of Artist Republic, fellow Bryant University Bulldog, great guy overall. I mean, he has a you can you can call it a weird brain. You know, he's just a <laughs> he is just an interesting mind that, you know, found his passion, knew he had that love for music from a young age, rode with it, did a couple different of couple different business endeavors throughout his career found a problem and just was like, you know what, I'm going to solve this problem and build an empire. And we absolutely love it. So we thank him for coming on the show. Um, you know, remember the name, remember the name. I mean, you, the way music is evolving in our day and age and anybody beca- can become famous with SoundCloud and TikTok and Instagram, whatever it might be, we're always going to be intrigued by this next new artist. You know, it was funny. We were driving, uh, the other day, just our regular football Sunday endeavors, and we're on the Sirius XM channel. And you know, my girlfriend Paige mentioned it's like these are all TikTok songs. Yeah. You know, the top 100, the top 25 are all TikTok songs, and some of them aren't even like big name artists. It's like, yeah, because anybody right now, if you make a hot beat, it is so easy to go <laughs> viral. And how are they managing their money? You know. And this is a great way, and Nick's doing a great job figuring out that issue and making sure that artists are still profitable and they're not getting screwed over by these managers. It's a very good point, and it's I'm not making the comparison to podcasters at all, but to a very lesser ordeal and extent, it's how do you get your content out there and how do creatives get their content out there? And when you are bogged down by you know signing your life away to labels pretty much it gets way more complicated than you ever thought it would be so artist republic seems to be a a pretty viable solution people the reviews are out people are loving that shit they are signing up out the door you heard it from nick he wants to get to five hundred thousand users by next year that shit is not easy but he's got a legitimate latest thinking path to it so good for him he's been hustling he was drinking a coffee at 8 p.m. when we interviewed him, so he's going to be up for a long time for sure. We're grinding away, getting up at 6 a.m. to do it all over again. So good stuff from that man. Let's do Positivity Corner. If you are a college basketball fan, you very unfortunately were aware of what happened in the Florida versus Florida State game this past weekend. Keontae Johnson, who was one of the draft prospects, one of the better guys on this Florida Gators team. Scary video. I didn't want to watch it, and I did, but he collapsed on the court. He came out of a timeout and went face first onto the court, and it was just so horrible. Um, At this point, while we're recording this, they have not released a cause or anything like that. And, you know, we first of all, we want to wish Keontae very, you know, speedy recovery, healthiness and a life of happiness and as close to normal as he can, but he collapsed on the court. um, And this sounds very negative and pessimistic, I know, but the Florida Gators men's basketball team tweeted today something that you can do right now to make his life better and his family's life better. They are soliciting cards and letters of well wishes and thoughtfulness and just uh, trying to bring the community up in collective thoughts and prayers for Keontae. So, You can send him a card or a letter. So if you want to do that, you're going to swipe back up. 
And you're going to get out of here. You're going to send a letter to P.O. Box 14485 in Gainesville, Florida, 32604, care of the University of Florida administration. I think that that is very cool that Florida's doing that. And I'm, I'm sure it means a lot to their family. Obviously, Keontae, who has been in the hospital since that day on Saturday, probably won't be able to read him for a bit. They're not going to rush him back, but I'm sure his family's going to appreciate that a lot in December. Yeah, you know, thoughts and prayers to Keontae and his family, as well as the teammates, too. Uh, you know, watching the video, they were just absolutely shocked oh, they and were heartbroken to watch that happen. Uh, we don't know what took place, but it was scary, scary to see, um, especially someone so young, um, you know, just doing something that he loves, playing basketball. So if you have a moment, send him a card, send him well wishes, uh, reach out on social media, even if they don't see it, you know, just sending those positive vibes out there. Uh, especially during the holiday seasons, is definitely important. So, again, thoughts and prayers out to out to him. Yeah, we hope Keontae gets better, of course. We hope that he is able to live as normal and prosperous of a life as that he uh, was able to do beforehand. So, thoughts and prayers to the Florida basketball community, thoughts and prayers to college basketball. That's it for our show. We've got a lot of content coming out. We've got some exciting announcements in the next couple of weeks, too. January 1st, you're going to want to be a follower of this program. That's all I'm going to say. You know, 2021, we've got a lot of cool shit coming, and you're going to want to be on board. All of us here at House Enterprise, that's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.